Well, good morning. Let's look in Luke 1, and we're going to start in verse 5 today as we uh, are kind of introducing the Christmas story. Let's, let's look what this says. I'm going to read a long passage here, and then we'll take some verses from it. We'll start Luke 1, chapter 5, and here's what Luke writes. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a prince of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children, because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years." When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, as many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteousness to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I, am, for I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to you to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the days these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time." Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. Then they realized he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. Let's pray over these verses this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the coming of Jesus and how you prepared the way through this baby John. Lord, we thank you for salvation that Jesus brings. And I pray that we would learn today about how you work in our lives. the hope you bring us, and the salvation that's offered to us. Teach us today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. So yes, we, we start the Advent today. Just the, it just means coming. And, and we remember that Jesus has come, and we remember that He is coming. And so we, we have this anticipation. The, the Christian church has been doing this for many years to just take this time of the year to remember that there was a time where, where people were waiting for Jesus. They were waiting for the Messiah. They waited and waited and, and, and just could not stand the wait any longer. And finally, the Messiah came and Jesus came. He, he lived on this earth, lived a sinless life, died, was resurrected, and now is alive in heaven. And he did that to offer salvation to anyone who would believe in him. We, we remember that. I remember as a kid, we had this calendar on the wall, and I don't remember what it was made of, but I remember some flaps. And it was all of December, and they were all covered, and there was a, like a star at Christmas or something like that. And every day, we would flip it. I was the youngest of five, so I think we all got a day, and then the parents did the weekends or something. But I just couldn't wait for my day to flip that little flap over because it was coming. Now, my anticipation was probably more about gifts than, than anything else, right? Christmas was coming, couldn't wait to get the gifts. But that's the anticipation that the people had in the Old Testament. That's why we do that. They were waiting for the Savior. They were waiting for the Messiah. And that just means the chosen one, the one that God had chosen to save his people. They were waiting for him. And we read Luke here, and I want to remind us what kind of time that these, these uh, verses were written, written in. If you remember, this was probably um, right around, there's no zero A.D., you know, there's no zero. It's, it was, so it's somewhere around there, 3, 4, 5 A.D., B.C., somewhere in that range. I won't get into the exact calendar, but it's the, we measure time by Jesus' birth, if you remember. 2017 means that traditionally it's been 2,017 years since Jesus was born. That's what that means. That's what every time you write it on your check, you're pro- proclaiming the Lord lives. That's what we're. That's what the, the date means. So this this uh, passage is is right around that time when Jesus was born. But if you if you would uh, go back in time to about 430 B.C., 430 years or so before Jesus was born, the, God, uh, the, the prophet Malachi, inspired by the creator and sustainer of life, inspired by God, wrote the last words found in Malachi. Um, it's not up on the screen. I'll just read them to you. God says, look. I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. God spoke those words and then was silent for 400 years. They call it the 400 years of silence. The little page between Malachi in the Old Testament and Matthew in the New Testament represents 400 years of God not saying anything to his people. There were no angels 
coming and announcing anything. There were no prophets coming and speaking to anybody. There were no theophanies, no appearances of God. There was no, not even any whispers from heaven. God was silent for 400 years. You can imagine the waiting that people had. Do you ever feel like God's been silent in your life? And it makes sense. It might, it might feel like it's 400 years you've been praying and praying and praying and God has just simply been silent. That's what these people felt. And the people desired to experience God again. And so when we come into the New Testament and we look in the book of Luke, we see people whose desire is just to hear something from God, anything. Just let us know you're there, right? Just let us know that you hear us. And they desire to experience God. They had a desire to experience a miracle. Because that's the definition of a miracle, God showing up, right? He just shows up and things start changing. And so the people had this desire. And again, maybe today you're saying, I need a miracle in my life. That's where I'm at. That's why I'm here. I need, I've been praying, and I've been waiting, and I've been looking, and I just want to experience God to, to burst into my spiritual silence and just start working. I need a miracle. I'm, I'm waiting for some sort of a miracle. And so the question is, how do we prepare to experience the miraculous in our life? That's the question. How do we prepare for that? Let's look at the, look at the life of Zechariah, who's John the Baptist's father, and we can see maybe what we can learn about this. And so how do we prepare for the miraculous in our life? Well, first of all, we see Zechariah and Elizabeth, they're, they're living a life ready to see God work. They're living a life ready to see God work. So that's what we should do. We should live a life ready to see God work. Look in verse 6, talking about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. This is Zechariah and Elizabeth's normal life. They had been praying, we'll find out, it seems like years and years for a son. But we also know that God's been silent and nothing's really been going on. He's not, he's not talked to them and told them anything's going to happen. So they're waiting and they're praying and praying, I just want a son. And they start getting older and they're praying. And pretty soon they're at this age where they're like, I'm just not sure it's going to happen anymore. And then it gets to the point they're praying and they're like, this will never happen. There's no way this could ever happen. They're waiting, and they're praying. But listen, it didn't stop them. God's silence didn't stop them from living a, a righteous and blameless life. They didn't stop living uh, in obedience to God's Word. And there's many times where we might be praying or looking for God, and He might be silent, and we say after a while, you know what, I'm just giving up on this. I, I don't, I, I've been faithful and trying to do this and that, and I've been praying and, and God's not answering, so I'm just going to give up on all this God stuff. He's not listening to me, so I'm just not going to listen to Him. 
And I'm just saying we, we treat God sometimes like he's in some sort of contract with us, that he is somehow obligated really to do anything for us. And we're like, I've kept up my end, and he's not kept up his end, so I'm just jettisoning everything about him. And that is simply not how we're to treat that. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they faithfully followed the Lord in the midst of the silence. They followed him when there were no angels speaking. They followed him when there was no fanfare, when there was no one even noticing them. He was a priest without any son, which meant his priesthood line would end with him. My guess is they were just kind of moved to the side and ignored. And they might have said, had the temptation to say, you know what, I'm just going to live however I want to live. If this is how God's going to treat me and how God's people are going to treat me, I'm just going to forget it all. But instead, they lived faithfully. They lived their life as if God was going to work a miracle in their life. There was faith there. They said, God's not answering me, but I believe in his character. Right? God's not sending any angels to me as of yet, but I'm going to believe. He is good, and I'm going to trust him, and I'm going to live faithfully for him, no matter what. That is the life they lived. And so they lived life ready to see God's work. Because listen, if they said, if they said that, if they said, I'm just, I'm just giving it up, I'm going to live in opposition to God and his word, I'm going to live in rebellion, I'm not going to listen to what he says, I don't care what God's word says, I'm not going to worship him, I'm going to live my life for me, how much of a miracle could have God done in their life other than just simple salvation? And that's not simple, that's a huge miracle. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe today the miracle God wants to do in your life is salvation. Because salvation is a miracle. It is raising the spiritual dead to life. And only God can do that. And maybe that's the miracle that God wants to do in your life today. But if you're a believer and you're like, man, I've been praying about this issue in my life, and God has simply been silent, and I wonder if I even need to be faithful anymore. We need to look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. They faithfully followed the Lord and trusted in Him no matter what. So do you live in that manner? Do you live life ready to see God work when there's no angels appearing, when there's no one watching, when there's no one really paying attention? Are you faithfully living for the Lord? Living your life as if God is going to do a miracle. We're going to see what that looks like. Maybe today your first step is to that is to turn. You're walking your own life. You're doing your own thing. You're living your own way. And all you need to do is turn from that. That's called repentance. You turn and you begin to walk the other way. You begin to walk toward God. Maybe that's, that's the decision you need to make. And God will do a miracle. So how do we prepare to experience a miracle? Well, first... We live faithfully so that we're ready to see how God's going to work. Second, the way we experience the miraculous in our life is we need to look for how God is working 
in our everyday life? How is God working in your everyday life? Look in verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. When his division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, it happened. It just so happened, it says, that he was chosen by lot according to the customs of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. It is, it's my understanding that at, at Zechariah's time, there were 20,000 priests who served at the, at the temple. And those priests were divided into 24 courses of ministry, uh, 24 shifts, so to speak. And they served two eight-day courses of ministry. So these 24 divisions, you would serve once the first half of the year for eight days. And then in the second half of the year, you would serve again eight days. And that was your job as priest. There was probably other things, but serving in the sanctuary, doing the great things that the priests did there, they served twice a year, eight days. And it says, it just so happened, it just so happened that at this time, Zechariah's time, it was his time to serve. It was just his, and he got up, it was his normal day. He got out of bed, he got on, put on his shoes or sandals, you know, put on his robe, and he's like, well, here's another day of ministry. Here's another day of work. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the things that I'm supposed to do at my job. Come home, go to bed, get up the next day and do it all again. Just the normal, everyday thing that he was doing. My guess is it was his everyday life. But see, every time the priest served, and, and I'm assuming this is every eight-day cycle, I'm not exactly sure, but every time there was a, they, they needed to go in and burn incense. And... And they, they probably cleaned up the previous incense and the ashes, and then they lit the new incense. It was something that was part of the, the ritual in the tabernacle or in the temple. And you got 840 guys in this time frame that says, I want to go light the incense. And so they, start, they cast lots. I don't know what it was, rolling a dice. I, I don't know what it was. But there was some picking straws. I, I don't know how they did it. But to light the incense was probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 840 guys, you had every time you served, you only served twice a year, and you had a 1 in 840 chance to be chosen to go in to light incense. If you got chosen, it was probably the one time in your life you got to do that. And it says, it just so happens, (laughs) right? We know that's not the case. It wasn't happenstance. It wasn't chance. God says, I want to get Zechariah alone. He'd been silent for 400 years. It doesn't mean he wasn't working. God's always working. You may not hear him, but he's always working if you're looking for him. He got up and he's, I'm sure he's putting, like I said, his normal day, putting on his sandals, getting up and saying, well, probably Joshua or Eli or another one of those good priests, they're probably going to be the ones lighting the incense and probably thinking about his day. What am I going to be doing today? And he gets up and he's chosen to go in and he's like, God has chosen me. They cast Lot as a way to say, God has chosen this person. 
We don't cast lots anymore to, to find that type of thing. The last time God's people cast lots in Scripture was when they were trying to choose the 12th disciple to replace Judas Iscariot, who had died, who killed himself because he betrayed Jesus. And they cast Lot, and it fell to Matthias, and they chose him. And the next verse, after they cast Lot's and chose Matthias, was the Holy Spirit coming down upon the people, and that's how decisions are made now. We don't cast Lot's. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God himself inside of us guiding us. That is how it's chosen now. But here, they chose lots, and they, uh, they cast lots to see who was chosen to light it. And it just so happened that, that Zechariah was going to be serving that day. And it just so happened on that day, the lot was cast for him. I'm just saying, God was working in his everyday life. He just thought it was going to be a normal day. And God is showing up all over the place. But I'm not sure he was looking for it. If we want to experience the miracle, we should be looking for how God is working. Because He may be silent, but He is working in your life. He is working in your neighbor's life. He is working at people you don't even know. He's working in everyone's life. If they don't know Him, He is working to bring them to Him. And He very well may be working to bring you into their life so that they can hear about Him. If you do know him, he is working in your life to draw you closer and closer to him so that you can know him more and more. That's how God is working. But he is always working. He's working in your life, in your ordinary life, everyday life. I'm not saying your lives are ordinary. I'm just saying we get up and we kind of get into our routines and we kind of have this thing and we're like, I just going through life. Is God even noticing me? And I'm saying in every day, Every minute, God is working in your life in some way. And we need to be looking for it. And when we start looking for it, we begin to see. It is a miracle that it was Zechariah working in that time frame. And out of the 840 guys that could have been chosen, God chose him because God was doing something in his life. God burst in and somehow made that cast uh, that lot that was cast to Turn to Zechariah's name, however that was done. So are you looking for God in your everyday life? He's not far off and uncaring. That's the world wants to make us think that God doesn't care about us. He's far away and cannot be known. God knows us intimately. He loves us more than we could ever imagine, and he cares for us. He is intimately involved in our life. And we can trust in that. He's working in our everyday life. And so, are you looking for that? To be prepared to experience the miraculous, we live in accordance to God and His Word so that we're ready. And we begin to look in our everyday life to see how He is going to work. Another thing to help us prepare to experience the miraculous is that we need to pray persistently. We need to pray persistently. Look in verse 13. The angel said this. The angel said to him, and we need to stop there in just a minute, right? I will keep saying it, but I don't want you to miss it. God had been silent for 400 years. No one had seen an angel in centuries. 
I mean, our country is what, 250, 230, I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know exact math, but it's, anyway, 300, I don't know, whatever it is. Anyway, so our country is not, is not 400 years old is what I'm getting at. Our country is, and so it was longer than our country has been here that God has spoken. I mean, God had been silent. He had been silent for 400 years. And right here, God chooses out of everyone in the world that he starts speaking again to Zechariah. An angel shows up. And it says here, this is what the angel said. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. <laughs> Why did he say that? Because Zechariah was afraid. He's not seen an angel. No one's seen one. He had no idea. Don't be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. I love the first thing God tells people after being silent for 400 years is, I hear you. You may think I'm silent. You may think I don't care, but I hear your prayers. They had been praying and praying and praying and possibly for decades praying for a son. And the first thing after all this silence, God says, I hear you. And we can rest assured the same thing. You may think God is silent in your life. And you're saying, I'm praying and it's like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling and so I'm just going to stop praying because he's not responding. The truth is, God says, I hear you. I hear you. The lesson we learn here is that Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed persistently. Maybe they doubted that God would answer, but they continued to pray. We see that in verse 18, we'll look and see in a minute, that God did answer and he still doubted. An angel shows up and he's still like, nah, I'm not sure God's going to answer this. But they prayed persistently. They continued to pray. They continued on. Jesus gives this lesson to his followers as well. Later in Luke, in Luke 11, 9 through 10, this is what Jesus tells his disciples, and by default kind of saying it to us as well. He says, so I say to you, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who searches finds, and the one who knocks the door will be opened. He's teaching persistent praying. It's tough to pray and pray and pray when you've not seen the answer you want and the time frame you want. But God says, I hear you. Keep praying. And then Jesus tells a, another parable in Luke 18. And look what it says in Luke 18, starting in verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1, he says, He told them a parable on the need for them, what? To pray always and not become discouraged. Jesus understood that for us, we need to pray always, but not be discouraged by that. Continue to pray. And he says this, There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect man, and a widow in that town kept coming to him, saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect man, 
Yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice, he says, so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. And then the Lord said this. This is what Jesus said. Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find that faith on the earth? We're to pray persistently. We might have to pray for years on things. I don't know. Why? I don't know why he wants Sometimes we pray and there's a quick answer and sometimes we pray and it just takes years and years. I suspect it's a little bit about what the last verse says there. Will he find that kind of faith on the earth? Because praying persistently takes faith. It says I'm going to trust that God is good. I'm going to trust that God's going to answer. I'm going to continue, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust Him. I'm not going to doubt Him, and I'm going to pray. It doesn't say that God is this unjust judge who doesn't want to give us justice, and He'll only answer because we pester Him. It's a contrast. It says that's what a human judge is. How much better is God because we don't have to pester Him? He wants to answer, but for whatever reason, it's connected with faith. What kind of faith are you going to have? This is, I would say, one of the greatest areas I've been growing over the last few years. I mean, it's tough to continue to pray things when we don't see an answer in our time or the way we want it answered. And that's why I value our time on Wednesday so much. We, we pray on things, and we pray and we pray. We prayed for the salvation of people, and we began praying and praying for these list of people. Some of them, most of them, we don't know, but we're praying and praying over them. And you know what? God is answering those prayers, and those people are coming to know Christ because of a persistent prayer and faith that he's going to answer it. Some of you were probably on that list. I can think of a couple who have come to know Christ because they were on that list and we were praying for them. We were praying for marriages that had needed healing, and we began to pray for them and pray for them and pray for them, and marriages that looked like they were never going to survive, but we prayed persistently for them, and God burst in and miraculously began to heal them. Not because of us, but because he is a good God, and that's what he does. We prayed persistently. We've been praying that God would send us families. We've been praying and praying, God, send us families. And we've been seeing God answer that prayer by bringing us families. We've started praying for our Awana program, and God, work through the Awana program. We're praying and praying for that. We're ministering to about 40 kids every Wednesday night. I mean, God is, God is faithful when we, when we begin to pray. When we pray persistently, it's not coincidence, right? It's not coincidence that this marriage was about ready to fall apart. We began praying, believe God could heal it, and it was healed. It's not like, wow, what a coincidence. What a great happenstance. That's not what it is. It is there's a direct connection between our prayers and God's miraculous work in our life. And so if we want to experience the miraculous, we begin to pray persistently about it. And God begins to work. He's been working in this body right here, right now. He's been working miraculously and great things. We've been seeing it. 
I think we've baptized more people in July, since July than we have the last three years combined. God has been working here. That, those are miracles. That is God bursting in this reality and changing hearts and changing things. God has been working. And there's a direct connection between our persistent prayers and our faith in God and God miraculously working in our life. If we want to experience the miraculous, we need to live according to how God wants us to, so we're ready to experience it. We begin looking for it in our everyday lives, and we pray persistently. And then we also finally need to believe what God's Word says. If we want to experience the miraculous, we need to believe what God's Word says. Going back to Luke 1, and verse 18 and 20, Gabriel himself shows up, and he begins to speak Again, no one's seen an angel in 400 years. And he says, you're going to have a son, and he is going to bring the children's hearts to the father's, father's hearts to the children. God is going to work through him. He is going to prepare the way for the Lord to come. He's going to prepare a people for the Lord. And Zechariah says, are you sure? Right? I'm just not sure that's going to happen. Look what he says in verse 18. How can I know this? Zechariah asked the angel. For I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Nice way of saying she's old too. Um, And probably that means there's no way she can have a baby. And Gabriel says, he doesn't say, well, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. He doesn't say that. He says, I am Gabriel who stands before God, and I've told you this is going to happen. And because you don't believe me, because the, last, the first thing you said to me was doubt, you're not going to speak the entire time your wife is pregnant. And you're going to know that this is going to happen. And he, for that second, couldn't say anything. And then he got home and still couldn't say anything. And his wife was at peace, right? <laughs> Husband not being able to speak. Then she becomes pregnant And for nine months while she's pregnant, the husband doesn't say anything. And, I mean, that's a, that's a, I mean, think about this. We read later, if you read later on, she gives birth. And they're like, let's call him, let's call him Zachariah after his father. And Zachariah is frantically saying, no, 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 no. The angel told me here his name's going to be John. And if I ever want to speak again, I better do what the angel told me to do. Right? This is what's going on. And he's scribbling down frantically. His name is John. And they said, oh, let's call him John. And then he begins to spout out praise after that nine, ten months of silence. He didn't believe what God's Word says, and there was some significant ramifications for that. He didn't believe God, and he he voiced his unbelief, and then he couldn't voice anything after that. And, And so there's very significant consequences for not believing what God's Word says. And I'm... I'm he he was unwilling to believe God's revealed word. The Scripture is God's revealed Word to us. And there is all kinds of promises in that. 
It says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's a promise. Do you believe it? Or do you say, well, God really can't forgive me. What I did was too much. And I have to live in guilt. He says there is, in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Or do you say, I'm going to, I've done so much wrong, I've got to condemn myself and live under my own condemnation. God may not condemn me, but I think I need to. We could go on and on in Scripture of the wonderful promises. He says, I know, he, he, he says, I, he, he's got all kinds of great promises for us. I can't even go into all of them. Are you gonna, are you, do you believe that? He was mute for nine months. And then, and, and during that time, God miraculously had John conceived in, in Elizabeth. I say miraculously. It was, it was still Zechariah and Elizabeth, but it was a miracle because she wasn't able to conceive anymore, probably. John wasn't an ordinary baby. He was the forerunner to Jesus. He was prophesied in Isaiah that there was going to be someone who comes and makes straight the way of the Lord. He was going to prepare the people for Jesus' coming. He was no ordinary baby. He was going to do something miraculous. And so they encountered a miracle. Zechariah, after this, once he became mute, he began to believe. <laughs> and he believed God's word, and the miraculous came. And I don't know, maybe God's, maybe God's wanting to work in your life today. He is working, but maybe he's got something specific in your life. Maybe the decision is, I need to surrender to him today for the first time. You've never trusted in him. You say, I need to turn from my own ways and turn, repent, and walk toward him. Maybe you're a believer and you're just not really ready to believe everything the word of God says. Yeah, God inspired. He breathed it out. He inspired men to write it down. He preserved it in such a way that we have great uh, Bibles that we can read. I just don't really believe it all. Maybe that's where you're at today. There are serious consequences for that kind of life. Or maybe you're just a believer who thinks God is silent. He doesn't care about you. He's not working in your life. And you just need to remember today He is listening, He is working, and He cares for you. I'll have you bow your heads and just process this. How is God speaking in your life today? Do you need to come to Him for the first time, trust in Him, and become one of His children? Maybe you're a believer and just need to submit to His leadership in your life. Maybe there's another decision God wants wants you to submit to. However God is leading, I pray you would respond obediently. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I thank you how you work in our life, how you, you burst into our reality regularly 
and then do the miraculous. And sometimes we're just not looking for it and we miss it. I pray that we live in such a way that we're ready to receive the miraculous and that we're looking for it in every day of our life, that we are praying persistently and that we would just believe what your word says, that we would live as though we believe the Bible, that we believe what you say is true. Lord, if there's someone here who needs you, they need salvation, they want the forgiveness that only Jesus can bring, I pray that they would lay their life before you, surrender to you, and come to you. If there's a believer who needs to turn their life back over to you, I pray that you would stir their heart in the area of their their disobedience and their rebellion and their stubbornness, and I pray that they would give that over to you. Lord, however you're working, I pray that you would stir our hearts now to be obedient to you so that we could experience the miraculous in our life. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.